Welcome to Sports Performance Radio, the science of athletic excellence. Welcome to Sports Performance Radio Extra. I am your host, B. Chavez, and I'd like to thank everyone for joining us here again yet another month. Um, with the extras, the extra show is always, well, as a matter of fact, let me take a moment and just clarify. Some of you may be new to listening to this particular show, and this is Sports Performance Radio, and we have two shows. We have Sports Performance Radio, which airs first of every month, and it's typically a tech-based sports performance-based show with an expert in a field. We'll interview a champion strongman, a champion powerlifter, a nutritional expert, that sort of thing. Those shows typically run between one and two hours. Uh, This show, which airs on the 15th of every month, is Sports Performance Radio Extra, where it's just an opportunity for me basically to insert the extra stuff, the stuff that I did not get to add to the hour-long, two-hour-long Sports performance radio, typically a bit more time sensitive, a more uh, news oriented that you know is relevant to the moment rather than long term information that would be available and useful at any point in time, like a seminar or dissertation on sports performance or nutrition or something. So that's just to clarify what exactly this show is and its its parent show, Sports Performance Radio. Um, this show specifically, I'm going to talk about a couple news points, a couple of uh, things cooking in the news. They happen to all be doping. Uh, just seems to be how it worked. And uh, at the end of the show, I am going to air a pre-recorded, slightly older piece that I did as a video blog uh, on the subject of little rabbit ears in the air form, uh, exercise technique. Uh, I'm going to explain, one, what it is, why the word form is such a terrible, inappropriate word for the the subject matter, and uh, try and just clarify that a little bit. Again, uh, I'm a really big believer in language, clarity of language. Science is predicated on the fact that everyone everywhere speaks the same language, not necessarily the same linguistics. There's German scientists, there's Russian scientists, there's Japanese scientists, but when they make a measurement, when they do something, quote, scientific, it's all done within the language of science. The units are the same, the concepts are the same. Someone says, force or energy or heat or whatever, they know exactly what they mean in any language on any corner of the earth. And that's what I happen to believe is very lacking in sports performance. So I'm trying desperately to preach the word of common scientific language in sports performance. So that pretty much wraps up the introduction, what the show is and what's coming in this particular show. Don't forget to sign up for the SPR and Evil Genius Sports Performance Newsletter via the Team Evil GSP website. We do have some news points, as I mentioned. As I mentioned, also, they are all doping-related. Let's see, the first is this continuation of this ridiculous Russian doping scandal. Um, And that this piece is not necessarily Russian per se, but it was precipitated by the Russian doping scandal. And it is a piece uh, that has been posted on the uh, the WADA website, something I unfortunately frequent almost every day. And uh, it's I'm just going to read the first sentence, maybe first two sentences. 
The International Olympic Committee announced that biological samples from 23 athletes who competed at the London Games in 2012 have posthumously tested positive for using performance-enhancing drugs, meaning that long after the Games, they kept these samples, they've retested them with, quote, newer, modern techniques, and they found 23 failures. So potentially 23 people will lose their Olympic standing, possibly medals, uh, because in 2012, the IOC was incompetent, and now, you know, four years later, they can catch people. So... Uh, I find stories like this a little embarrassing. I think you shouldn't even publish them. It's basically illustrating the fact that the athletes are, you know, four to five years ahead of the IOC. Uh, I, I definitely don't believe in the idea of being able to fail someone after the fact. Um, you know, that's ridiculous. doesn't work that way in any other avenue of the world, any other realm. Uh, you know, in college, if you take a test and pass it, you passed it. They don't come back later and go, you know, you might have cheated. Your score was a little fishy. We're going to, you know, it doesn't work that way. It never happens that way. You know, even in our legal system, we have stop gaps against being retried once a decision is made. Um, I, I find this absolutely, you know, just laughable. But it's the, it's the way the rules are written. It's the way the game is played. So it's news. I'll report it. Uh, beyond that, I think it's pretty stupid. Uh, but, you know, that, that's, just, um, that's just my take on it. I'm sure there's many of people that do not agree with me on that. Point. The other big, well, probably truly the bigger story is the uh, Brock Lesnar, the WWE athlete who's still under contract with WWE, shall be making an appearance at UFC 200. I'm really curious what the behind-the-scenes skinny on that transaction is, but that's a separate subject, although I will pursue that and see if I can find any news for everyone. But anyway, um, big news that, in honesty, isn't big news at all. Um, Brock Lesnar has announced this one-off event where he's going to participate in UFC 200, and the, the event is next month. The event is very soon. Uh, the UFC is uh, has recently hitched their cart to WADA, the World Anti-Doping Association, and WADA's rules state that an athlete must be in the testing pool, available and concede to testing parameters, four months prior to any athletic event. Uh, because this event is literally, at the time of his signing, I think about six weeks away, there was no way he could be viable for WADA testing for four months. So the UFC used a little-known loophole to exempt him from this four-month period. Now, people have gone crazy and jumped up and down. Um, the reality is... There's, if, if he's going to compete in a thing, there's nothing they can do except exempt him. It's simply a matter of logistics. Uh, I don't even know if this really has anything to do with, quote, doping. It's not as if they're uh, exempting him from testing. They're just exempting him from that preparatory period uh, or the, the duration of period that he would be tested otherwise. Uh, I don't see why, of all the ridiculous things going on in the doping world, I don't see why this is uh, an, an issue. Uh, it's pretty silly. Uh, we know pretty pretty rationally that everyone's, you know, quote, doping. Uh, and, you know, and then there's also the difference between the WWE has a testing protocol, which he did abide by, although it's probably pretty paltry. Um, there's just, the, the arguments are just goofy. Um, so he's going to take a lot of tests. And he's going to get in the ring. That's about as much as you could report on this. Uh, people's complaints that, you know, he shouldn't be given an exemption for that. 
it's just, you know, they're entitled to their opinion, but I think their opinion is pretty stupid. So that's, if you didn't know, that's the skinny with Brock Lesnar and the doping scandal. Um, also in the world of doping scandals, this one's a little outside of my box because I really don't follow CrossFit. I think as anyone who knows me and my material knows, I, I think it's pretty stupid. I think it's goofy. Uh, and it's even more mainstream and goofy now than it ever was. But anyway, um, Laura Phelps, uh, I think she now has a married name and I'm probably didn't write it down. So I apologize. I believe her name is now. Phelps something. But uh, anyway, Laurel Phelps is a, was, is a world-class powerlifter. Uh, she moved into the world of CrossFit, kind of created this West Side barbell CrossFit thing. Uh, although I must admit she's smarter than most because she went directly to CrossFit, the actual organization, and through them kind of created this endorsed affiliate conjugate West Side thing. Uh, which I truly don't know much about, truly don't understand. I simply know it exists. And she was the head of it, and so in a roundabout fashion, she worked for CrossFit. Um, she competed in some CrossFit stuff, did very, very well, um, as you would being incredibly strong and reasonably athletic, as she is. Um, and lo and behold, there was a big announcement that she, quote, failed the drug test. I looked into it uh, ever so slightly, and it turns out she did not fail the drug test. What she did is fail to report for a drug test, which, by the rules, is in fact recognized as a failure. I accept that. Uh, however, it's not the same as a failure. Um, typically, it's because the athlete you know, doesn't want to give a failed sample. That I accept that also. That's almost always the case. However, there can be other reasons for it. Um, can be just simply logistics if you're out of the country or unavailable or, you know, having a baby or, you know, there's a million reasons why you may not be at the beck and call of WADA or CrossFit or whoever administers these goofy tests. So I, I you know, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in this. Again, no, no reason to criticize you know, Laura. I don't uh, know her one way or another, but it, you're talking about a female that had a 500-pound bench press in powerlifting. Even seating the bench shirt, that's a probably 300-plus-pound bench press. That's someone who uses or has used drugs. It's not a question. It's a statement. We're all rational. There's no shame in saying that out loud. So, I, again, I find this kind of goofy. Um, also, this is wholly and completely speculation on my part. However, my track record on speculation of this nature is almost... 100% accurate, and that is, it's my experience that when you find these kinds of failures, where it's more of a logistical or political-based failure, the person didn't actually offer a bad sample, they were caught in some loophole or some faux pas of the rules somewhere, some fine print, typically that indicates to me that the person crossed someone. The organization somehow wanted to punish them and chose to use the drug test mechanism as the mechanism for punishing them. Uh, I have stated over and over, and I strongly believe it, and I continue to believe it, that by and large, doping tests in sports really aren't about getting rid of drugs or the health of the athletes. Or It's a political tool. It's another level of control that organizers and organizations have over the athletes. It's leverage. They know that every athlete on earth uses drugs. By banning them and holding that test mechanism over over them, 
they have extra leverage. And that's what I believe happened here. Either you know they took a disliking to her personally, or they took a disliking to the concept of powerlifting in in CrossFit or the the West Side thing in CrossFit, or they just didn't like her shoes. It could be anything. The the, the number of reasons are infinite and and well beyond my scope. But I will say that it is in fact my experience when you see these kinds of failures, uh, it's typically a political issue. Much like uh, when 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 the uh, Tour de France went after. Uh, Lance Armstrong, they, they had zero proof. They had zero scientific data, but they had conviction that he was using drugs and they just simply didn't like him. And so they spent vast amounts of money pursuing him. It was a political endeavor. It was not a scientific endeavor. Uh, I suspect that you'll find something similar has taken place here. But surprisingly, um, the event's almost a month old at this point, and there's been very, very little news about it. So I'm curious to see how that does, in fact, pan out. Beyond that, and, and that's fairly significant, three major doping points in one month, that covers the news. So um, that's going to roughly wrap up my uh, my live involvement in this show. And uh, we're going to cut away, run a few commercials and some pieces, and then uh, we'll leave you with that pre-recorded talk that I gave some time ago on the concept of form in exercise and what that word really should be and what it should really mean. So... There you are, and so I will sign off here until the 15th of next month. Stay strong, everyone. Evil Genius Sports Performance is now accepting a limited number of new clients. If you would like a consult, please email via the Team Evil GSP website. Hey, shut up and listen. Hi, everyone. It's B. Chavez. Welcome back to the Evil Genius Sports Performance video blog, volume 3. Before we begin, I'd really like to take a second to just thank everyone for the really positive uh, responses to the first two. A lot of great emails, a lot of great ideas, um, a lot of great material for future episodes. So I uh, really urge everybody to keep that up, and thank you. Um, no, no question, no thought is inappropriate. This is all about communication, folks. So really positive on that. Um, as far as today's episode, we're going to continue the theme, and that is uh, defining language. Um, few of the responses I've got is, in response to this is people um, kind of surprised that I'm belaboring language so much. Why I spend so much time talking about the way you talk about things. And that's a show in and of itself. But very quickly, um, language is everything. We think in language. When we discuss a topic, it's about language. If we don't have precise, specific terms to identify a given point or topic... We can't effectively resolve that topic. It's about specificity of language. Um, back in college, I had a professor that really annoyed me to a great degree, but one thing they said that stuck with me, and I don't want to say changed my life, but definitely changed the way I thought about them and the way I thought about school, made the point that when you think, you think in language. And therefore, the quality of your language is going to limit or expand the quality of your thoughts. If you cannot define a thing, you can't rationally think about a thing. And that's something I've carried forward into my professional career, kind of made the basis of evil genius sports performance, um, hopefully not to the point of overcomplicating things, but definitely to the point to add specificity so that we can communicate meaningfully. It's the power of science. Uh, so with that, today's episode, today's topic is... Uh, one that kind of makes me cringe, 
because it's a double-edged sword. I want to talk about the language, the word, the concept of form. Um, it's huge, it's important, um, and it's annoying. <laughs> you can't walk into a gym without, you know, how's my form? Watch my form. I've got this new form. If I could just perfect my form, my bench would be awesome. Um, and it's annoying because athletes, whether professional, recreational, or anywhere in the middle, are right to be thinking about how they do things. The form, if you will, if you use that word for a moment, is everything. How you bench press is ultimately going to determine how good your bench press is. It's obvious. The problem is it's just not precise enough of a tool. It doesn't relay enough information. If you say, watch my form, I'll watch you do something, but I don't know enough about you. See, you say your form. It's yours. It's not mine. Okay, That may not be the way I bench press, but it may be the way you bench press. It may not be the way you bench press. It, it may not be the way you should bench press. I don't know. There's not enough information related in that word form. Okay. So with the evil genius mindset, with my mindset, um, we set forth to add some specificity, interject specificity to that term. Um, after doing this for almost 30 years and uh, being <laughs> the owner of some really bad form, uh, narrowed it down to two terms. We can effectively define this concept of doing an exercise, doing a lift, with two terms. And those two terms are technique and execution. Okay. They are almost exactly what they sound like. There's technique. It's how you intend to do the thing. It's what should be happening. And then there's execution, which is what is happening. Okay. Both are important. Both are equally butchered. Um, I myself have been the butcherer more than a few times. Technique is more the intellectual concept, based on your limb length, your strengths and weaknesses, your predisposition, um, your injury history, your, your universe of lifting. becomes encapsulated in this, this is how I should be doing things. You, your training partners, your spotters, your coaches, um, experts you may have consulted with, have defined that, use a bench press as the example, this is how you should lay on the bench. This is where you should grip the bar. This is the bar path that you should follow. This is the way you should initiate the lift. This is the bar path that should be followed. And this is your lockout. That is a technique. That is an intellectual construct that is idealized. That's what should happen. Okay. And it's also, might I mention, malleable. It changes over time. Okay. As your arms get stronger, your shoulders get stronger, or an injury, or this or that. Your body weight changes. Your technique might need to change to accommodate, or maybe not even accommodate is the right word, but to exploit those changes. So technique is an idealized, yet malleable, way in which to do something. Okay. Execution is then, how well are you doing that? This is where coaching comes in. Okay. This is where having good spotters, helpers, training partners, having video, photographs, having a record. Okay. This is what you're intending to do. 
and this is what you're doing. So now when you say watch my form, I hear watch my technique and watch my execution, I can spot you and say, wow, that technique looks like you're slowing down a good deal at the lockout. Maybe a slightly wider grip would improve your bar speed. That's a critique of your technique. Or, oftentimes, as the my training partners would say to me, is technique looks pretty good. Execution-wise, you did five reps and three of them didn't touch in the same spot. Your execution was awful. So now you've got two very relevant, very poignant and precise concepts that were once this form is now two very definable and addressable issues. A usable technique and your use of that technique, i.e. execution. So um, it, it, it's almost seems like too much, seems like you're making a bigger deal about something than it needs to be, but yet, trust me, it's not. Form, which is going to go away, we're going to have technique and execution, is everything. If you're talking about lifting weights, if you're talking about swinging a golf club or a baseball bat or a badminton racket, it is all about doing that. It's about the act of doing that. It's about a technique and an execution. Any endeavor in the universe can be broken down into these same things. That is the hallmark of science. It's a concept that can be carried over into almost any endeavor. Okay. Technique, intellectual construct that is changeable over time, and execution, which is your practice, your motor learning, your skill at doing that technique. Makes such an ethereal, uncontrollable thing suddenly into, brings it into focus makes it science. Form, no more. Technique and execution. Okay. Most people fail at both. They, uh, you know, I've been doing this my entire life and I am as guilty as anyone. You never really have a perfect technique and you never really have a perfect execution of that technique. But striving to improve both can only make your lifts better, make you stronger, make you safer, make you better. That is the purpose, that is the goal for all of this. Better. Okay. We are smart enough, we are well connected enough, we have enough communication, we can make better athletes. You can be better, I can be better, the entire sport can be better. Let's move toward that, define a few more terms, begin to put them into a larger package of sports performance. I'm going to leave you for there at this point, let you mill that over, put that in context with some of the other video blogs, but the broistic term of form, no more, the evil genius sports performance concept of technique and execution. We're all going to have better lifts in the future. We're going to have better lifts by defining and creating a better technique and practicing them for better execution, making better totals, making stronger athletes, making faster players, sports performance. It's all about science. Science is all about dialogue. Let's take that step, make everybody better. Again, 
Be Chavez, Evil Genius Sports Performance. Until the next episode, thank you. Thank you for listening to Sports Performance Radio.